0: Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.
1: Well, hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio. Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement and the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country and online, and our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups, developing research, publishing case studies, and shining a light on great practice. Visit us at engageforsuccess.org to learn more, where you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. I'm Joe Moffitt. I'm one of the regular hosts of Engage for Success Radio, and I'm also Managing Director and Founder of Woodreed. Woodreed is a specialist creative agency where we use the tools, the techniques, and the insight-led approach of the advertising and marketing world to help our clients create great places to work, high-performing cultures of engaged employees. And today is show number 405 in our weekly series, and we're going to be discussing how conscious leadership is essential in the future of work and to help us navigate that topic. I'm very pleased to welcome this week's guest who is Natasha Wallace. Natasha is founder and chief consciousness officer at Conscious Work. So welcome to the show, Natasha. Thank you for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure and a a very interesting topic and um, offline we've just been talking about the various qualities of um, of great leaders and and what they should be demonstrating. So uh, I'm sure that um, what we're going to be talking about is going to be of interest to our listeners today. So um, I want to get into the topic in a moment but before before we do that, can you just tell us Natasha just a little bit about yourself in terms of your, your professional background?
0: yeah so i mean my career has been in hr i've worked Uh across various sectors um so retail um, utilities professional services and i left paid employment um, about four years ago but my last role was as people and development director of a professional services firm where i was for 10 years um, a lot of my work has been around organizational development because that's my passion, and I mm-hmm. am hugely invested in creating great places to work, and I've run my own company, Conscious Works, for the last four years, um, right. where I focus on conscious leadership, working with leaders and leadership teams to help them create um, environments of trust where people can do great work and, and feel well at work. And I published a, a book called The Conscious Effect on that subject a couple of weeks ago, um, which basically explains what conscious leadership is and how to sort of lead in the future of work. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, sounds good. And I'm looking forward really to exploring with you in the next half hour, um, some research that you've undertaken um, called Project Bright Spot and some of the findings uh, from that. But before we get into that, Can we just talk a little bit about the last 18 months? Um, Because you you were saying your business, you you founded your business four years ago. Um, I bet when you started that four years ago, you didn't imagine that the last 18 months of that would have been spent in dealing with a global pandemic. Um, So how do you think, how have you seen leadership change or how have you seen leadership performance change perhaps over the last 18 months?
0: Well, I mean, leaders and, and managers have had to pivot, um, obviously, to deal with hybrid working, you know, um, furloughed, not furloughed, furloughed <laughs> again. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's been an incredibly demanding time for anybody who's got responsibility for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess where we've been talking about the need for human leadership, empathetic re- re- um leadership, um for quite a long time now you know for a number of years and the need to support well-being and mental health in the workplace mm-hmm. the pandemic obviously has catalyzed the need for that so whereas it you know i think in a lot of businesses they may have seen it as a nice to have operational delivery was the primary um deliverable in in most organizations with you know things to do with pastoral care and well-being and, and engagement maybe being a a secondary consideration Um, Whereas actually we've seen in the pandemic that it's sort of become a commercial imperative to make sure that people are fit for work and and well enough to work and also to support them through what's being an incredibly trying time. So I wouldn't necessarily say that leadership has totally transformed as a consequence, but I think that the need to build relationships with with people and support them has become essential to to leadership now.
1: And, and successful leaders or the leaders who will have, who, who've navigated this most successfully are the ones who either had already recognised that and were already practising that or realised it pretty damn quick and, and, and got on the bus.
0: Yeah, and of course there is this sort of risk now that people, that, that leaders who have, have done a good job of supporting people whilst we've been going through this change want to take things back to how they were 18 months ago. Um, and I guess my my encouragement to them now is to learn from the great things that happened over the last eighteen months in terms of the the building of connection with people, um, mm-hmm. and we're getting to know people at an individual level and being able to provide support. Um, and seeing how you can embed that into, into the organizations rather than just sort of forcing things back to how they work. Because I think employees have benefited in many ways um, from the flexibility and understanding that employers have had to provide for them. Okay. Um, and no doubt, employers have benefited too, regardless of whether they think they have or not. So it would be <laughs> interesting to see what happens over the next 18 months And whether there is actually a sea change in the way that we do things.
1: Yes, it will. It will be very interesting to come. Maybe we should book you in for a show in 18 months time and we can we could review that and see see how things have developed. So so, so let's move on and talk about Project Bright Spot, which is the. Uh, As I understand it, the the research that that you've undertaken, um, and we're going to sort of um, explore with with you some of the findings from that. And and, uh, but let's begin. How did this come about? What what was the sort of trigger to do the the research project?
0: Well, I was a couple of years ago. I was at the Mad World Wellbeing Conference. Oh yeah, they were sharing the um, business in the community. Um, results of a of a survey that they've done around well-being and it was the same it was the same points i guess that have been discussed for for the last few years around the fact that mental ill health was increasing loneliness was increasing um people were feeling excluded in the workplace people were overworked managers felt as though they needed to prioritize workload ahead of people's well-being and as I sat in the audience listening to, I guess, very, very similar data to the, to the data that I'd heard for the two years before that, oh. I thought, I think we know that there's a burning platform now. You know, I think we, the, there's so much compelling evidence to show that the way that we work isn't working um, in, many, mm-hmm. in many respects. And I just thought, actually... You know we we need to keep up this narrative around how things aren't working and the impact it's having on people's mental health and well-being but actually we need to help leaders understand what they need to do instead so that was what became very apparent to me in that moment is i'd listened at that conference to many many people talking about what wasn't working with a few great case studies of organizations that have done things differently but I thought, what's the playbook for leaders? You know, if a leader had turned up to this conference today, would they now be equipped with what they needed to go and lead differently and to get it right? And I just didn't feel as though that, was, that, was, that information was out there. So right. myself and a group of us got together um, to try and sort of fix that. And I guess my, my hypothesis was that there were many leaders and managers out there doing amazing things but we needed to know who they were and what they were doing in order to replicate that. And there's Mm -hmm. a book called um, Switch uh, by Dan and Chip Heath, which talks about bright spots. It talks about organizationally, we often concentrate on what's not working and try and gap fill or improve weaknesses, but actually Mm -hmm. where you get transformational change and where you get Sustained energy and motivation for things is where you focus on what is working and build on that. Right, right.
1: Because yeah, no, I was going to ask you where the name came from. So that, that's where that's how it was, how it kind of came to be called Project Bright Spot. It's a bit like appreciative inquiry in that sense, then, isn't it? Focusing on the good stuff and amplifying it.
0: Yeah, totally. But, you know, I get oh. if we'd called it Project Appreciative Inquiry, it does have the same ring
1: to it. <laughs> it, it doesn't have the same answer. ring to it. No, no, well, it, it does. doesn't. <laughs> no, it's a bit, it's a very, I don't think it's particularly exciting. Appreciative Inquiry sounds, I've never thought it sounds particularly motivating. But so Project Bright Spot, that's, yeah. So, and what what was your methodology? How did you go about this then, Natasha?
0: Well, so there were a group of us from different organizations, so BT, Oracle, St John Ambulance. Um, So so leaders that worked in business who were passionate about understanding what conscious leadership was all about. So we said, you know, there must be leaders out there who are connected to their people or who are doing great things with their people. Mm-hmm. um let's go out and speak to them and, and and try and figure out what's going on and they were all you know hugely enthusiastic about doing that so we interviewed about 40 people and mm-hmm. basically we used our networks and went out and said look if you've had an amazing experience of leadership where somebody has really enabled your performance and where you felt well at work can you speak to us and so we sat down and interviewed um, these 40 plus people um, asking them what their experience was so you know what happened uh-huh. on a day to day basis what what did they do for you how did they enable you how did they behave you know what were their characteristics um, and I've got to admit it was such a rewarding project because just listening to those stories was so energizing because actually when people told the stories they yeah. were so happy, as you can imagine, yes. recounting yes. tales. Um, and many of them. And it them was quite I...
1: infectious. It was kind of infectious for you. It made you feel good and empowered no. and, and excited and energised. I suspect.
0: It really did. And actually, some of them said, actually, recounting the story, which they which they'd never told most of them because most of them haven't been asked that question about who was your best leader and what did they do on a day-to-day basis but you know yeah. some of them said you know because this is really energizing it's made it's gotten me back to feeling the way i felt when i used to be led by them so um and a few other people said you know i just feel really proud to be able to talk about them and to recognize these these leaders publicly for the the difference they've made in my life
1: oh, gosh. so it was quite staggering yeah and, and did you, was it always about but did you always link the two in terms of performance and well-being? I mean was it always about the, the leader or manager who had got the best out of you or optimized your performance and at the same time made you you know supported your well being were they, were they were they kind of totally connected
0: uh, we We didn't want to um overtly connect them mhm. In the interviews, we really, we tried not to, to ask too many leading questions, right. but actually when we analysed the outputs of the interviews, they were always connected, but not okay. necessarily how you'd think. So uh-huh. I, I think one of the biggest surprises for me from the research was that even when leaders were having tough conversations with people and pushing mm-hmm. them beyond where they thought they they could physically or mentally go yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. some challenges they didn't think they were capable of um, those things actually led them to feel better in the end even if it didn't feel good at the time so that was probably a big a big revelation for me was that well-being isn't always about feeling brilliant all the time mm-hmm. it's about being able feel, feeling good in the end and achieving what you're capable of, um, and sometimes having difficult conversations, but those conversations unlocking something, either in you or in the situation. Or um, it, it was so interesting to see that some of these leaders actually had some some really tough conversations with these people um, that unlocked something. And the conversation in itself wasn't great,
1: <laughs> but the, the aftermath of it was. Was. It's really fascinating that because I think so so often one of the criticisms I hear uh, uh, from from people in business who who kind of think they don't get this stuff right they they would look yeah. at what the sort of conversations you and I are having now they would look at the kind of talk around employee engagement they look at the talk around. I don't know, servant leadership or what, all these sorts of concepts. And they'd say, oh, it's such wishy-washy, namby-pamby, wussy stuff. Um, but actually, if I'm going to run my business, I need to, you know, I need to be aggressive and assertive and test-beating. And, and they don't get it. They think it's namby-pamby. And, and, and actually, what, what you're describing there is, well, well, no, it really isn't. Actually, some of this was quite tough stuff. Uh, to-
0: totally, totally, and I mean there are there there are bound to be situations where, you know, thumping the old chest is exciting and ex and in- and inspiring. I mean, I was just talking to somebody this morning that was saying they worked in a tech company where there were lots of very very young people who had who had not gone to university or who had dropped out of university or, or had maybe just finished. Mm-hmm. Um, and these 19, 20, 21 year olds were very inspired by what, who, who seemed to be quite an alpha leader. Uh-huh. Um, so I think there are scenarios where that, that sort of bravado or that very um, uh, charismatic maybe type of leadership Um does does inspire people but uh, we were looking at sustained performance that got the best out of people and actually actually. i think that's probably it's it's not sustainable and and that's why you see in the big finance houses people burning out quite quickly yes
1: yeah and shine bright and burn out yeah exactly exactly and
0: of course you know that that if that if you're up for that if you want to go into an environment where you you know you you flog yourself and 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 burn out early and then go and do something else then fine, but actually I think most people do want to go into environments where they where they actually enjoy the work they're able to achieve some sort of balance they're empowered
1: <laughs> they're seen oh, as individuals yeah.
0: um, they've got real deep connection with the people around them. I think most people probably would choose that route yeah yeah
1: okay so forty plus interviews um and in terms of this sort of you've touched on some of the well, one of the surprising findings but I think you kind of identified seven um, kind of key traits if, if you like that, that leaders seem to share from that. And if you could yeah, just we'll explain what those were.
0: Sure so um, I mean the first one was they see you so mm-hmm. there were many many stories about um, these leaders sort of really understanding the individual you know comments like they remembered what motivated me they wanted to hear what i had to say they saw us as equals they were conscious of what i wanted to learn so these leaders sort of really really understood these these people on a very human <laughs> level a human um, level yeah 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 um but to do that they they seemed to need to be present so they were available when they needed to be available but but it didn't mean that they were around these people all of the time it just meant when they were needed they were there
1: right so yes
0: one one person told us about a story where they were having a really tough day uh, this this was a leader that we interviewed and um they they'd phoned their leader to ask for some advice anyway i think things have calmed down they 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 left it that they didn't get a chance to speak to the leader and then that evening, the leader phoned them and said, oh, you left a voicemail for me, you know, are you okay? And the person said, oh, no, well, it's fine, it's fine, you know, it's your evening, don't worry, I've got it sorted now. And they said, no, you, you needed me, tell, tell, tell me about it, you know, talk to me about yes. it. Um, and I just thought that that was quite powerful, that although the leader yes. wasn't available during the day because they were busy, they made the time to make sure yeah. that they checked in with that person because they knew they did need them, yes. so I thought yes. you know there were many, many examples like that mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and they also they also trusted them, so they trusted that people would do what the, what they said they were going to do, and um, yes. they trusted that they would be able to um, do more often than they thought that they were able to so I mean a lot of people talked about these leaders really stretching them into uncomfortable places um, yes. that they you know they didn't realize they could go to or they didn't think that they would survive it but actually yes. the these leaders never seemed to let them fall they were always there for them but they, they believed in them and the yes. energy that that seemed to create amongst these people where where the individual felt that because their leader actually Trusted and believed in them, it just seemed to create this endless amount of energy and commitment and enthusiasm to to the work, yeah, um, yeah. which I think just had had a had a profound effect on people.
1: Um, I mean, that, this what you've described so far plays very much to the second enabler that was identified, David McLeod and Anita Clark, in the initial. Uh, report around employee engagement doesn't it having um, engaging managers who coach and stretch and support but don't micromanage you know there's, there's a lot of that in there um so, yeah, yeah, this is yeah. really really interesting really good yeah, yeah. trust of what course if... I mean goodness trust has been massive in the last 18 months hasn't it you know suddenly you're managing people that perhaps you no longer see on a. you know so you you you've got to learn to trust people in a way that perhaps you didn't before and that's got to be good
0: yeah, and also I guess people, leaders have to take more risks than they, than they might normally take. I mean, one of the comments yeah. that somebody said was, you know, they allowed me to learn, learn myself to be curious and to take risks. But, of course, you really as a leader need to trust people to do yes. that. Yes. Um, and you yes. need to be, be able to abdicate control. And, I mean, I see in a lot of leaders, and, I, and I've been this person in the past, well, unless you recognize that in yourself as a leader, unless you know that about yourself, that you need to be in control, then you, you, know, you unconsciously do lots of things day to day that actually can cramp the team style, make them feel disempowered, etc. So you have mm-hmm. to get to know yourself as a leader to sort of recognize those things in yourself.
1: So there's a self-awareness required as well as just modelling some of these things that you've begun to describe for us. There's some actual stuff that applies to you in in and of yourself. You need to be pretty pretty self-aware.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would you know I would say that if you are a, a, somebody who doesn't need to be in control, then you know you're lucky that that that's not going to be a problem for for the team. Um, yeah. But I think that you know there's many things, there's many limiting behaviours in in leadership. That we would all demonstrate, you know, dif- different aspects of leadership. That unless we recognize it in ourselves, it can be very, very difficult to get the best out of your team. Um, so I mean, some of the other things that came up were about um, leaders having their people's back, so mm-hmm. advocating for them. So when they had an idea, um, they would stand up in front of other people and, and sort of fight for it. Now, yes. what was interesting is that went with. Not being afraid to challenge so if the challenge is happening behind closed doors so if if an individual in a team brings an idea to a leader and the leader Mm -hmm. is able to have an open and honest conversation with them because they trust them because they've empowered them because they will you know they will have their back as long as they sort of can then they Mm -hmm. can have an honest conversation with them to say look have you thought about this have you thought about that what about that I don't think that's quite fully Sort out yet? Go away and have a look at it and bring it back. Then, by the time that sort of idea is ready for public consumption, they absolutely can advocate for them. Whereas, you know, we've seen many examples of, of leaders who don't do that, who aren't willing to stand up for their team, who you know, who won't bring their ideas um, to board for approval, those sorts of things. But if mm-hmm. you're if you have a robust relationship at a sort of operational level where you can work things out together then by the time the idea is sort of ready then you know the leader can advocate and and that seems to do huge amounts for the energy in these individuals because they believed and because they knew they had the support of their leader when they did raise ideas then you know it just it made them more likely to to bring more
1: okay that's interesting yeah very interesting uh, to understand that yeah okay um is that number four? Do you think? Is we I don't know where we are now, but um, were, were I've, any... <laughs> I've pasticheed about six together there, so we've only got one <laughs> left. Um, you know, maybe
0: Lovely. you can do a quiz at the end for people to try and figure out
1: what what those six. Which well, ones they were, but no, they're all good. I think that's that's very interesting. I mean, that sort of advocate for the advocate for them, advocate for their ideas, but actually together in a in a re- robust way challenge those ideas. But to do it in a respectful way to actually make that idea better um, exactly. is very is very empowering. I would have thought. Uh, well, I can understand that it would be.
0: So yeah, 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 exactly. And I mean the other, the, the the final. I mean these these are all in the report, which we can, you know, I'm sure. We yes, can tell you yeah. Too. I'll ask
1: you. I'll ask you to share that the, the where people can get hold of it, because I think that'll be really interesting for them. We'll do that yeah. at the end. So. Okay.
0: But the the final thing was about setting clear direction. So it, you know, having uh-huh. leaders who can, you know, create a clear vision and a clear sense of direction and help the team <laughs> stay focused on what matters most. That mm-hmm. also was important, and actually, interestingly, that did surprise me slightly too, because I think that that it's sort of a paradox, isn't it? If you're trying to create empowered teams that are, you know, self-managed or where the team takes responsibility for organizing their own time, organizing their own work, then there is a there is a an argument to say, well, why does there need to be a leader who's setting clear direction? But this sort of comes back to the energy and purpose piece, which Mm -hmm. is if you have a leader who really cares about the work that the team is doing and are able to articulate its importance and why it matters and have those conversations at a team level about why that work matters and Mm -hmm. then be the sort of canary who's saying, we've got too much on here, we've got to pivot or um you know are we really focused on the work that matters most to try and take some of the noise and the overwhelm away from a team yes yeah. then that obviously plays into well-being and it yeah, also absolutely. plays into performance because a team you know a team that is absolutely focused on on the work that matters the most and why yeah. it matters are going to perform better they're going to feel better yeah.
1: Interesting. I must. I must um, just do a quick plug for our next Engage to Success event, actually, which has just just gone out on Eventbrite and in the news in the weekly newsletter. Because it is all. It is all about that. It's entitled "Why the Why Matters," and we're going to be talking about the first enabler of engagement, which is the whole point about having a, a clear strategic narrative, which leadership can articulate. You know, where the organization's come from, where it's going, and, and this whole thing about the importance of purpose. Um, so on. On um, Friday, the 17th of September, um, from 10 till 11.30 a.m., we have an online event uh, free to uh, access, uh, which is currently available to book places on. So um, I couldn't resist that plug because it clearly ties in very much with what you're talking about, Natasha. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. No, I'm sure it'll be a, a brilliant event to sort of bring it to life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. If there were, um, we've we've just got a couple of minutes left, Um, these things always fly by, but um, if our listeners are are sort of listening to what you're saying, I suppose there's two things um, that I'd like to sort of direct them to. The first one, most obviously, is um, you've only been able to just skim the surface in in this show today on this. So if people want to get hold of the actual research and uh, learn more about it themselves, how can they go about that? Well, so the report
0: on um, my website so that's www.conscious-works.com if Uh you just go to the resources section and you can just download that uh, without entering your details or anything so you just get access straight to there's lots of practical tips in that report about what you can do to be a conscious leader so mm-hmm. we try to make it as practical as possible so that people can actually apply the the outcomes of the research. Um, but obviously, you know, if anybody wants to have a conversation about it um, and find out a little bit more, obviously they can contact me at um, Natasha at conscious work.com. Yeah.
1: So if we great so, so if we're talking just closing we've got just over a minute left practical ways people who are struck by what you've been saying going to get the research the, the research and see but if there, just in the minute we've got left if there was one thing that I could take away from what you've been saying um, and start practicing conscious leadership tomorrow what's it going to be
0: get get to know your team. on a a very, very sort of human level, understand what motivates them, Mm -hmm. understand their values, understand what's important to them, understand Mm -hmm. the type of work that excites them when they're having a great day at work, what's happening. Um, Mm -hmm. Because only through that level of understanding of each individual team member can you build a relationship of trust. And then I guess the flip side of that is to give some of you too. You know, we talk about leaders being vulnerable, and it doesn't mean going into the office, you know, crying. It means sharing some of you too. So what excites you? What are your values? You know, what work do you love to do? What are you most excited about? But also sharing the other stuff. What are the things that challenge you? Um, So I think that it's, it's just
1: about building personal relationships. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, So that's great. Natasha, thank you to this week's special guest, Natasha Wallace, founder and chief consciousness officer of Conscious Works. And thank you for listening to Engage for Success Radio. We will see you at the same time next week. And don't forget, you can download or stream any of the great shows from our archive at any time at uh, www.engageforsuccess.org, where you can also find on our events page details of, of that event I mentioned in September. Natasha, thank you. Thank you for listening and goodbye.
0: Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.